Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is May 3rd, and this is episode 362. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. On this week's show, we're going to get me caught up with Orioles baseball after returning from Deutschland. We'll also admit that, for once, Baltimore fans don't have the worst ownership. And we'll do that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you vibing on this evening? I am drinking a Motel Paloma. Uh, Paloma. Whew. I've had a few too many Motel Palomas. Uh, I'm drinking a Motel Paloma from Victory Brewing Company. It is a grapefruit summer ale, and I'm drinking it because the gentleman at the, the beverage store missed his calling as a used car salesman, and he talked about how great this beer was, and so he sold me. When he offered it to you. Did he say, welcome to the Motel Paloma? He did not, and now I'm disappointed. Now I feel like I I have... Uh, Such let- a lovely beer. <laughs> Such a lovely beer. I've let myself down by not insisting upon it. But you know, once you start drinking it, you can't leave here. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I, of course, I'm a sucker for grapefruit, so of course I'm loving it. Scott Magnus... What is your drink of the week? Uh, I've got nothing this evening. Like I said, I had a cornucopia of uh, German beer. Um, and surprisingly, um, and we, we talked about this while I was gone, uh, sent you pictures, uh, the northern German provinces are very big on gin. Um, so I had probably more gin and tonics that I've had in my entire life. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm so jealous. And I can't wait to, um, I can't wait to see how that plays out tonight. Yeah. From there, let's go ahead and leave the drink of the week and head over to the medical wing. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. All right, so starting us off in the medical wing, we have Michael Gibbons, who has finally joined Bowie for a rehab assignment, um, kind of getting started and getting you know back into uh, you know situations where maybe he will actually finally join the club. Um, we're now in May. Um, this has kind of lingered on longer than I think everyone kind of expected, um, but it doesn't really surprise me. Again, he didn't really get any spring training, so he's going to have to put in some significant outings um, in Bowie and even potentially Norfolk before he comes up. Yeah, it'll be interesting because at this point, again, we had expected it to be a, oh, God, we need him, plug him in, quick, 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 sure. quick, quick. And now there's going to be a roster decision that has to get made. I don't really feel like there's a roster decision. I think it's pretty obvious, but we'll see what happens. I, I think the Bayer question is going to be with this next individual, which also kind of popped up um, and has you know been doing his rehab assignments, and that's Dylan Tate. Ah, yes, with the old... Thomas Edward John Jr. Yep. So, I'm sorry, the forearm. So he's appeared in Aberdeen, uh, and his next four appearances will be in Bowie, so he'll be joining Michael Givens. Um, so I think the big question is, who do you think is coming up to the big league roster first? I think at this point it's probably Tate. You Tate, think? Tate has actually thrown the ball. 
Mm-hmm. And unless he has a setback, I think it'll probably be Tate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the Orioles are going to stretch out Michael Gibbons as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they're looking forward to getting Dylan Tate back into a uh, role within the bullpen and maybe some low leverage situations to build him back up to that high leverage reliever that we're looking for him to be. Let me just throw this out there. We're probably going to talk about Cano a little bit later Ooh. on the show. Cano, that guy. That uh, guy. I, can you imagine a situation in which you have a bullpen, a back end of the bullpen that consists of a Cano, Tate, and Bautista in in basically any order? Yes. Yeah. I can. Me too. It's called Darren O'Day, Brad Brock, and Zach Britton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm already ex- – I'm prematurely excited. Yeah. I mean, again, we've seen this before from Orioles baseball during the Buckle of Birds era – Having three dominant relief pitchers um, makes a huge difference. And, again, we saw that a little bit last year um, with, you know, Felix Batista, Dylan Tate, um, and Jorge Lopez. Um, But, again, you know, after the trade, he got a little thin in the relief, you know, department. And I wouldn't say it was a, you know, it wasn't a disaster, but you looked and said, man, we could use one more really good arm um, and again, we'll get to Cano in a little bit, but kind of awkward that, you know, Lopez has kind of, in essence, turned into the new, you know, getting air Cano at this point. So, well, I have to be honest, that's pretty much it for the medical wing where the Orioles are otherwise pretty healthy. Yeah. A few like, you know, bangs and stuff like that. I know that when Mullins had that dive and catch, I was watching to see, you know, how he went into the wall. But yeah, overall, um, the Orioles knock on wood um, have been relatively healthy and, you know, have not had to go into the depths of their 40-man roster in order to basically backfill. Um, with that, maybe go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. So, Jake, big news in Baltimore. Obviously, not just the Orioles, uh, but the long Baltimore drama that has occurred in terms of football um, is finally over. We no longer have to hear sports pundits and everybody in the world talking about Lamar Jackson. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a, was that a story? That was a story. Huh. Um, which again, you know, has led to a lot of people like, you know, talking about what this means for the Orioles and, and what this means for the Ravens and everything like that. And this next frequency from Matthew Ritchie, you can follow him at MKRWRT because, you know, there was no other, you know, Twitter handles available. I believe that's MKRWRT. MKRWRT. Um, and his M-Kurt. tweet goes as follows. My reaction to that news. Uh, and it is a picture of uh, upcoming free agent, um, Shohei Itani, future Oriole, future Oriole, uh, wearing a Lamar Jackson jersey um, as of last year. So, folks, um, you heard it here first. Otani is going to be uh, coming to the Orioles because of the Lamar Jackson signing. Dude looks great in a Baltimore jersey. He does. What can I tell you? Our next tweet comes to us from Utah Street Report, who, of course, tweet at Utah Street Report ST. And the tweet goes as follows O's, Natty Bows, and Yenier Canoes. Stop. Not the fake SVP. If we're going to do this, <laughs> we've got to do this correctly. Oh, Natty Boos and Yenier Canoes. Yenier Canoes. <laughs> we have to drop in sound of uh, Kirchkin laughing. Uh, it's, it's wheezy. <laughs> it's, a de- it's a delightful thing. I think uh, Matt Taylor and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, you know, and we referenced the Baltimoreans' nicknames and all that kind of good stuff, but. This is a good one, and it brings me joy whenever I see it. So uh, thanks to the folks over at Utah Street Report. Yeah. 
Uh, next tweet, um, you know, anybody who's been watching the Orioles, uh, you know, it has been the season of water, as it were. It's like Avatar 2 out there, basically, with the amount of water going on. At least it's not water world. <laughs> we'll see what happens is the best way to describe it. So if uh, if Ryan Mackhouse pees into a cup and, you know, water comes out, we're going to have some conversations. Is the <laughs> By the way, I am Dana Carvey references water world years old. Yes. That, that is my frame of reference. I saw the film. But it is Dana Carvey's special that uh, that I lead to, and if and kids, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the internet is yours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, fellow podcasters, UPod Street, um, you can follow them at UPod ST. Uh, came up with this idea to kind of go and kind of celebrate um, a little bit of how the Orioles are doing, but also to kind of celebrate this water theme. Um, and, and they came up with this idea of the splash zone. Um, so they're asking individuals to come out on Tuesday, May 30th. Um, and, and sit in the bleacher seats, um, sections 96 and 98. Uh, these seats would only be $10, uh, cause bleachers Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursdays. My apologies. Uh, McKinney yours is only $10 and asking folks to wear, you know, Hawaiian shirts, goggles, floaties, and maybe, you know, things that you'd be okay getting wet. Yeah. I think it should be a full on wetsuit with flippers. I think that's fine. If you want to go with scuba Steve, I- I'm good with that is the best way to put it. That's so. another good poll. <laughs> Man. We're we're off to a good start in this show. Yeah. So, like I said, I think that'll be a good, fun uh, activity. Highly recommend doing that. Um, I think that would uh, we can call it a rally the fan base. It's just a good way for Orioles Twitter uh, to kind of interact with each other. And I mean, just imagine the reaction of the broadcast because you know that whoever's on the broadcast that night is going to talk. Kevin Brown will Ke- eat that up. Kevin Brown would eat that up. And if Kevin Brown, if you're listening out there, you know, you managed to work your way down into uh, into the bleacher seats that time. Just like you did with the kids. Just what you do with the kids. You know, there may be, you know, some additional watery uh, refreshments waiting for you. I, I can see Kevin Brown with some water wings. Absolutely. You know, maybe a, maybe a, a ring around. I can see Kevin Brown at Scuba Steve, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, first, support this. This will be fun. This is baseball is supposed to be fun, and this is a fun thing. Uh, secondly, make sure that you uh, support UPod Street. Again, we think it's super important that if you're going to spend 45 minutes to an hour with us every week, that you consume all of the great content out there, audio, in writing, uh, of folks that are, are passionate about the Orioles. Please go give them a listen and and hear it from their own mouths, but then also uh, dress up for their enjoyment. Yeah, broaden your horizon. Stop listening to us. Our next tweet comes to us from Rockabaco. I know a, a little known figure in the Baltimore baseball community, but you know, give him a follow just out of charity. He of course tweets at Mass and Rock, R O C H, and the tweet goes as follows: Kyle Stowers rocking a mustache. Said he figured, why not? That's catchy. Hashtag Orioles. I like it. I like it. I think all answers should be in old school Orioles references. Yeah, you know, why, why did you do that? Well, I figured, why not? I, I think that should be the stock yeah. answer for Orioles. We'll just go with, how about them O's? How, how, how about them Orioles? I mean, you know, how, how about that Cedric Mullins? How about that, insert name here. Yeah. We got Roberts. We got Jones. <laughs> we got Wigginton and Kevin Millar. Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> uh, Orioles Twitter, I, I just got to say, uh, I, you know, I'm so glad you're back. Uh, baseball season is so much better um, when all of you participate and we get to follow along with you. That, it, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that the team's been fun to watch, uh, but 
Orioles Twitter interactions makes it that much better. And that's probably a pretty good segue for us to shut up, listen to the music, and come back and go around the bases. Jake. So I, uh, I disappeared to Germany. Um, yeah, where the hell have you been? Yeah, I know. Imagine that. So I'm, I've been in Germany for the past two weeks. Um, and let me just tell you, having to watch um, baseball in Europe, I know we've got a few fans out there that are in the, uh, in the European Union. Um, props to you. Because honestly, I don't know how you all do it. Um, the games are not starting until like 12 o'clock at night. In Sounds most perfect. Uh, the games are not ending until like 3, 3.30 in the morning. Sounds perfect. Um, I just don't know how people do it. Like, I don't know how you all do it. I'm, I'm super impressed is the best way to put, describe it in terms of folks that are, you know, in London or in... Oh, I thought you said in the European Union. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, sorry about that, London. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, just I, I kept up as best as I could. But um, one of the ways I kept up was by actually listening to this podcast and listening to uh, talk to some you know fellow friends of ours. And one thing that I took away from it was um, it was classically, unclassically, not bird's eye view content. And I'll tell you why I say that. Um, there's far too much happiness in Orange Kool-Aid um, <laughs> on the podcast. And I don't know if that's to, for me to, you know, to say that's because I'm not here or it's just because of the play on the field. But, Jake, I have to ask this question. How fun is this? This is super fun. This is super, super fun. And... We talked about this back in the Buckle of Birds era that our emotional baggage as Orioles fans, as lifelong Orioles fans in the darkest period of the franchise is constantly waiting for that other shoe to fall. However, that having been said, the pitching has not always been there mm-hmm. and we've been winning games. Yep. The bats have occasionally gone silent and we've won games. The defense, which has been stellar, over the last several years, has sometimes faltered. Yep. And we've won games. Yep. We've gotten out ahead and won games. We've fallen behind and won games. We've won on the road. We've won at home. We've won games. We've won with a fox. That's we've right. won with, a, with a salmon and locks. <laughs> we've won here and there. We've won everywhere. But you're absolutely right. You know, coming into tonight, uh, the Orioles had the second best record in all Major League Baseball. There's no way. I mean, I understand, you know, it'll come back to, and, you know, this is a comment that was made, um, and we'll get to this in another part of the segment, of like, the Orioles have a, a, a lax schedule. But how many times have we looked at a lax schedule for the Baltimore Orioles and been like, well, they should usually take 7 out of 10 for these next 10 games, and then it ends up being a 500 standpoint. You're like, well, I guess it's not a disaster, but it would have been really nice to pull in those additional victories. And, you know, on a whole, the Orioles absolutely have done that in spades, winning six series in a row. Um, and we'll see if they can continue it. I mean, it's going to be a situation where both the Rays and the Orioles certainly are not going to continue to be this good. Um, but, I mean, even looking at the record right now, if the Orioles go 500 for the remainder of the year, they would finish at, I think, 87 wins for the entire season. I mean, having this momentum in April and, in essence, banking wins makes such a huge deal. 
Yeah, and we just talked a, a few weeks ago, I think it was when you were here, mm-hmm. we talked about, well, gee, if we're not careful, the Rays are going to run away with a playoff spot yep. with their play in April. Yep. I'm not saying the Orioles are there yet, but they have absolutely given themselves more margin of error for the rest of the season. We keep talking about the fact that May is going to be a slog. Obviously, they're going to hit rough patches. They're going to have challenges. But if you can bank the wins now, that's a great thing. That's great. And to be honest with you, I feel like the Orioles, in the years that they've been surprisingly good, including last year, kind of get off to a slow start yep. and then get there I at mean, the end. I completely agree. I mean, if you take a look at the Buckle Birds era standpoint, it was always a situation where they're like, eh, 500 baseball, 500 baseball, and then you get to August and September, and they would really take off, as it were. Um, and we're seeing kind of the opposite of that this year, um, where all of a sudden, at the very beginning of the season, they're doing great. Um, and you know, that's, 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 that's exactly what people wanted to see. They said soft schedule. Um, it's great, but I completely agree with you. I I wouldn't say any part of the team has been absolutely dominant. Um, but what have we talked about before from good teams? Good teams have a tendency to find out a way to win. Um, and in essence, it's just enough to basically make it through. And I think last night's game was a great example of that. The pitching was not great last night. Um, they gave up four home runs against the Royals. But again, the Orioles were able to manage and squeak out a victory um, on the basis of, you know, saying, well, the offense has to step up. It's also interesting to me because this winning uh, streak, this this positive month of April, has also left me with the feeling that the Orioles are not out of any game. Correct. I mean, uh, we'll come back to Utah Street uh, report. And, you know, I think Derek has posted this before. It's a standpoint of get behind early and then work your way back up in the middle innings, and then at the very end of the game, butt-clenching to basically see, do you actually win the game or do you lose the game? So, yeah, I don't think I can think of a single game that I'm like, oh, this game is over with, and there's no chance for them to come back, Um, which I think is a really big deal um, in in terms of it. It keeps the engagement going on, um, and it's, you know, one of these situations where, you know, people are not willing to basically walk off and say, "Uh, let's get them tomorrow. I haven't seen that let's get them tomorrow aspect just yet for this team. Yeah, and and you know the thing that we're accustomed to is losing streaks where you kind of tune out a little bit, right? No chance of that happening. This is Orioles baseball that not only are we paying attention to, but I feel like the country is paying attention to. Baseball at large is starting to wake up to the fact that the Orioles are playing good baseball. I'm not ready to go that far just yet. I mean, I think that people are seeing the aspect of why are my Red Sox and why are my Yankees at the bottom of the division? But I still think there is still a a national perspective of like, let's talk about what's going on with Aaron Judge and let's talk about what's going on with the Red Sox. And it's going to continue that way until we get a little bit further along in the season. I think you're starting now to see some publications put the Orioles in the top 10 of their power rankings. I I agree with that. that I agree with that. Like I said, Orioles came out, I think, fifth in the MLB power rankings. Um, Let me ask you a question about that, too. Everybody in, in Baltimore lost their mind when they saw that of like seeing the Orioles at number five in the power rankings big deal. So what, who cares? But again, what is this Baltimore mentality of like, I need to see national media justify the existence of my team. There are, there are sports little brother. Yeah. It's what it is. It is what it is. I like, you know, I get it. I don't hate on it, but I, I think that there is a certain amount of the Orioles right now that you have to look at and you say, is this for real or is it? 
And and you look at their schedule so far, they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat, right? I think they're about 500 uh, on teams that are 500 or better, and they beat up on some really rotten clubs. Is that that's, what you're supposed to do, though? Yeah, that's what that's what winning teams are supposed to right. do. So that's that's the the thing that gives me hope for this really uh, crazy stretch of May. But I, I can imagine, you know, looking at the at the power, you know, if I, it was my job to make power rankings in a non uh, partisan Orioles way, mm-hmm. I can imagine looking at the Baltimore Orioles and saying, based on their pedigree, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them an incomplete. Yeah, the record is great, but we'll see. I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's be honest here. If you were doing the power rankings for MLB, you would have the Orioles at number one just because of the hugs. You it, love hugs. It's not the hugs. It is the fact that they wear a color that I refer to all the time as garishly beautiful. Garishly? Garish. Garishly. Uh, yeah, so here at first base, we we have asked the question, how fun is this? The answer? Very fun. Very fun. Super Very fun. fun. Let's head over to second base. And the thing at second base is this. Yeah, but... So we mentioned it from a May standpoint. May is obviously going to get a lot more difficult. And let's be realistic here. Um, the Orioles are eventually going to lose a series. And they're going to lose a series against potentially a bad team is, is the standpoint. You're not always going to win series against bad teams. And again, I, I want to come back to the very beginning of April. And I want to talk about that Boston series where we lost the Boston series. Now, should we have lost that Boston series? No, because again, of the McKenna drop. But everyone lost their minds about we can't lose to bad teams. We can't lose series to bad teams. And the reality of the situation is it's going to happen, even to teams that are going to have 100 wins. I think back to last year with the Yankees where they lost that series to the Reds, and the Reds were one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball last year. So it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen for this series. It looks like the Orioles are down right now against the Kansas City Royals. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Orioles walk out of Kansas City as a loser of the series. The thing is, you just have to minimize that. Right. Right? Exactly. And that's the big thing. You have to just minimize that. Um, But it's interesting to me, and this is another, yeah, but. um, It was interesting watching Orioles Twitter last night um, during the first inning where Tyler Wells, in essence, you know, did not pitch to his best. It went down 3-0 really quickly. And everybody lost their mind. Is the best way to say, like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Where in reality... You know, I think it was um, elegantly put by the Baltimoreans of, like, it's good to see Orioles Twitter in peak form losing their mind <laughs> about going down three runs uh, in the first inning of the game uh, in a game that ultimately finished 11-7. to So, again, we talked about, you know, how fun is this in terms of the Orioles are never out of it and they have a chance to rally back. And there's been many of these innings where they score five, six runs. Um, we need to kind of pump our brakes and realize that, you're not going to be a 650 winning percentage team for the entire season. You're more than likely going to be a maybe a 550, 570, but that's good enough for a playoff spot. Especially in the era in which there are three wild cards. Right, exactly. So I'm just telling people to pump their brakes just a little bit in terms of like just calm down. It's going to be okay, is the best way to put it. I don't know if this is a fair question because sure. you, you've been in Europe for two weeks, but if we're going to say, yeah, but. Yeah. against the this is really fun what are the kind of things that that worry you oh sure from a standpoint of what we've seen so far and what may continue in the yeah. future so i think the one thing that worries me the most is starting pitching dean kramer continues to not be good um and there's a lot of folks that were saying after last season 
Dean Kramer is going to be the ace on this team. I thought he was going to be great. Even, you know, most projections basically had Dean Kramer in some instances being better than Grayson Rodriguez mm-hmm. on a projection model basis. I never believed that. You know, I looked at the stuff basis and I'm like, I think Grayson Rodriguez is still going to be the better pitcher. That's not to take away from Dean Kramer. But I was just like, I don't see Dean Kramer as more than a number three pitcher. Um, and again, he's been struggling so far this season. Um, so that's what concerns me. I look at that and I look at, you know, you know, the Orioles obviously option Cole Urban as well to the minors. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, Dean Kramer goes down. Who's coming up? Um, and, you know, what does that mean going forward for the rest of the season? Well, let's pick that apart a little bit sure. because I want to ask you about Kramer. Obviously, you're not a doctor and you didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But is, is Kramer going to get better this season? Yes, I think. Do you think he's going to get to the point where he was last season? No. Okay. I We talked in the offseason. One of us, I, I seem to remember that one of us whined a lot. It was probably me. Yeah. Yeah. But talking about that we didn't do enough to to insulate ourselves from something like this. Sure. Right? The the approach was, let's hope everything's going to be yeah. okay. Let's hope we have enough depth and we'll, we'll make it work. I wonder. Mm-hmm. If the if the offense is going to be what it is, mm-hmm. and again, I don't feel like we've seen Gunnar Henderson show up yet. I think that's another aspect of, yeah, but. Anthony Santander <laughs> yeah, hasn't but. shown up yet. Yep. With the exception of this past week, Mountie has been on the side of a milk, milk carton. Sure. So we, we can get to all that in a second, but I think the offense is going to be something special oh, yeah. this season. I think the offense is going to be, you know, uh, at least a top 15 in all major league baseball, potentially a top 10. Um, and you just look at it and you're like from top to bottom, it's a pretty strong lineup. Having, I agree full, full, full stop. Yeah. I agree. Having said that, I think there's your margin of error for the starters. Yeah. And, and so I wonder if we get a, a Dean Kramer back who mm-hmm. is certainly better than he's being now. Sure. It doesn't get the last season. Maybe that's enough. So I agree with you. And, and again, this kind of ties back to we were talking about before in terms of having three solid relievers as well. Of If you could have a Dean Kramer go six innings and give up three runs, that's going to be good enough. Take it that's every like, time. You're going to take it every time. Um, so, I mean, I even look back to the Tyler Wells start from last night. Um, you know, he, he goes, I think it was six innings and gives up four runs. So not a quality start. Um, and I would have liked to see him, in essence, get to that six inning without getting up an extra run. Um, but it is what it is. Um, but I do think, you know, that's the question, which is, and Hyde really emphasized this through a, a good portion of the early part of April. Um, what really transpired to make the Orioles as good as they were for those last two weeks of April? And it was the starting pitching started to go deep into games. And I think that's going to be the question, which is, can the starters go deep enough in games where they can go six innings every single time? Um, and in essence, give up between three to five runs. And if they can, it's going to be on the offense to see, can you win this the game tonight or can you not win this the game? And there's going to be certain games that, you know, strength pitching gives up three runs and you get score zero runs. And it's going to be like, well, wasn't our night. Come back and get them tomorrow and you can't lose sleep over it. I, I think in the modern MLB, and what I mean by that is the rule changes, mm-hmm. which I, I think have been designed in many ways to shift the offense to into a higher gear. I think if you're asking your offense to get three to five, you know, exceed three to five runs every night, this offense, 
sky's the limit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about some of those offensive uh, performances that we're a little worried about. Talked about Henderson. Talked about Santander. You know, I got to be honest. I believe in the resumes of those guys. Yeah. I'm not terribly worried, and it's not costing us games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not concerned about, um, you know, I'm not concerned about Mancastle. I mean, everyone's talked their ear off about expected batting average and stuff like that. I think it'll eventually line itself out in, in time. I think especially as it starts to get warmer, I think it might also help out as well. Um, you know, Santander, you know, he's definitely been scuffling a little bit. Um, and then, you know, people keep coming back to Gunnar Henderson and keeping like, well, he's really struggling this year. You look at his batting average. <laughs> and I'm like, because it's 1984. And I'm like, yeah, but like, look at his on base percentage. And, you know, if and when he gets hot again, he is going to be a top tier player in all major league baseball. So I'll come back to 2014 really quickly. Um, because I, it's, it, it, this team reminds me a lot of 2014. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. From your lips to God's ears, pal. But um, the universe I, owes us a 2014. I, I think back to the very beginning of the season, who was extremely hot. It was Nelson Cruz was extremely hot. Nelson Cruz cooled off. Mm-hmm. And then who had to pick up the pieces for Nelson Cruz? It was Steve Pierce. Who would have expected Steve Pierce to be able to pick up the pieces? Who the hell is Steve Pierce? Who the heck is Steve Pierce? Matt Kremnitzer is shaking his fist right now. I'm like, <laughs> who, how dare you besmirch Steve Pierce? Um but you're absolutely right. I think it's going to go through these waves, is the best way to describe it, where um, you know, certain players are gonna be hot. Mateo's obviously super is super hot right now. Adley is, you know, doing really well right now. Adley things. He's doing Adley He's things. He's doing Adley things, exactly. Um, but you're even seeing like decent production out of folks like McCann and stuff like that as well. Um, when Mateo cools back off in the future, I think that's when you have to see Gunner or Santander or Ryan Mountcastle pick it back up. But I think, like you said. There's enough depth here that I think will balance out bad, you know, bad, you know, offensive performances with really good offensive performances. I want to get back to depth in just a moment, but while we're on the subject, this season, mm-hmm. Gunnar Henderson is at a 101 weighted rec- right. runs created plus. Exactly. So it feels like he's not holding, he's not uh, carrying his weight. It feels like he right. hasn't reached his potential, but he hasn't been a net negative. What he has been a league average hitter, and and to be honest, in in this lineup, yep, he gets on base. Yeah, that's all. I mean, that what I mean. He's not hitting for major production, no extra base hits or anything like that. So, like that's lacking right now. I would agree, but ultimately, he's getting on base. And if mm-hmm. you're getting on base and putting yourself in position to, you know, have Mateo drive you in, um, have Mullins drive you in. I mean, this is. I have no issues with this. Like, it's perfectly fine. Like. You can't have everybody on the team hitting 30 home runs. Unless you were the 2014 Orioles. I Again, if I could get 2014 again. Mm, 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 All right, let's leave second hey, base. Hey, thanks for doing what you did. <laughs> let's leave second base. Let's go to third. And at third base, I want to talk about depth. Yeah. And I want to talk about, well, frankly, the Norfolk shuttle. Yeah. We saw, we saw something that fascinated me recently when we had Taryn Vavra sent down. Yep. We had Joey Ortiz come up for a short stint. Yep, against all the left-handed pitching. And then sent back down. So let's stop right there. I I find myself really enthused by the idea that the team is willing to break the seal on Major League service time Mm -hmm. for some of its high-ranking prospects to win ballgames 
right now. Yes, um, I agree that that's encouraging to me. Um, and then the only concern that I have on this basis is I look at other folks like Kyle Stowers and I'm like, are you using Kyle Stowers to the fullest that you need to? But I love the I love the Jory O'Toole's move. Like I thought that was a great move, saying you're super hot right now in Norfolk. We're going to bring you up. We're going to put you against major league, you know, pitching, and we're going to utilize you. And it turned out to be a three RBI, you know, appearance in his what first game? Yeah, in his debut. So that's great. Um, and again, at that point, they're like, "All right, well, we got you. You're left-handed pitching. We're going to put you right back down. And then when we need you potentially in ten days, we'll kind of kind of come back." That that I think though is the the thing to underline. Yep. Like it was about winning then then yep that that moment right and it wasn't a we need to make an investment in you right. we need you to be here the full you know we're not going to bring you up until you're ready to be here the whole time no it was hey we could use you the series this thing right here is the thing we need to win right. what are our all our tools right. you know and and all that other you know service time stuff forget it yeah and we talk about the always the aspect of the Norfolk shuttle specifically as it relates to the bullpen. But again, interesting standpoint of, you know, we, we talk about all this infield depth that you have. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles, uh, we'll call it skirt the issue with infield depth in order to pull players up. And, and again, this also raises the question of like, if you have all this infield depth, this kind of comes back to the whole Adam Frazier question, which is like, could you have potentially utilized this Norfolk shuttle a little bit more advantageously as opposed to using a Frazier? So I was I was against the Fraser move. Yep. I was then impressed by his play right away. Yep. And now I don't think there's a problem with him being here. But I don't think you have to commit to him. Right. He's a he's a luxury. Yeah. He's a nice to have. And that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at lat even last year. I don't think Odor was a luxury. No, I don't think that, so either. That team needed unfortunately. That team yeah. needed him. I'm yeah. not sure this team needs Adam Frazier. I don't think this team really needs Adam Frazier. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses how much they feel like they need Adam Frazier. You you brought up Kyle Stowers. Mm-hmm. He's back. He's back. He's back for now. He's back for now. Yeah, so the Orioles made a move today to acquire catcher Luis Torrens uh, from the Cubs for cash. Um, and Brandon Hyde indicated that the team is going to run with three catchers. For the near future. Hmm. Why? So uh, I think it's because, as we've seen against left-handed pitching, uh, we like to put McCann in. Sure. As a DH in some instances. Ah. And they want to have that additional catcher to basically pull in in case there was an emergency. Or they want the flexibility to be able to have McCann in the lineup. Yep. And then late in the game. Pull him. Pull him and then put a catcher in, and put a catcher in yeah. without having to lose your DH. Yeah. If, if he's if he's catching and Adley's DHing or however else it works, yeah, he, he doesn't want to. That's interesting to me because again, that says we want to win the games now. Yeah. Here's my only argument for this one: mm-hmm. um, if that's really the case and you're that concerned, then we can really can't DH, in my opinion. I think it's a weird use of a roster spot. I. Forget forget the McCann-ness of it all. Yeah. When they got McCann, yeah. the story was that they wanted his bat for more than just backup catching. Correct. And you only have two catchers. Correct. They said first base, DH, and catcher. You only have two catchers. And so 
you're in a spot where the third catcher makes sense for managing the seventh inning on. Sure. If you've got that situation. I think if they're committed to using McCann as a hitter, this makes some sense. And when you when you do something like invest all of that organizational oomph into Adley Rutschman, they don't have a ton of sure. of good options, you know, high in, in the minors for, for catching. The only thing that I will say about this is that I don't want this to turn into a 25-man roster plus this guy. I feel like that's what the case is. I feel like he's like the Aguilar of 2023. Yeah, and I feel like that's the case. Like, I feel like if you look at his stats, he is basically an emergency catcher, which I don't like. We'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's just the the win-loss record. I feel like the Orioles have maybe bought themselves a little bit of credit for me waiting and seeing how it plays out before I emote strongly. All right. So in essence, what you're selling me is uh, because of their record currently, you're willing to give ownership a little bit of a free pass here. That's not true. And I'm going to tell you all about that <laughs> at home plate. God, I've missed you, Scott Magnus. <laughs> Let's go to home plate. And I want to I want to talk for a minute about how terribly I feel for Oakland sports fans. Oakland is losing a baseball team. Oakland has recently lost a football team. And I think that Baltimore fans, particularly Baltimore fans of a certain age, are like, required to be upset on their behalf. Yeah. But particularly because we have talked so much over the past year and a half, two years about, you know, the Orioles and Nashville and, oh my God, what would you do if the team left? Like, how would you feel? What would you do? And now there are fans in Oakland that are living that experience. And it's so frustrating as a baseball fan to watch that happen to another fan base. And it's not like I have any special feelings for Oakland. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't think I know anybody in, in the Oakland fan base. Right. But it just makes me frustrated that the almighty dollar is going to cost generations of fans the thing that they love. And you look back at the way that the Oakland athletics have operated over the past X years and you say, you made these fans live through all that crap just to leave. Yep. It's it's infuriating. And and I got to be honest with you, that like watching this happen from afar, I'm pretty sure that's going to make me actively root against the Las Vegas Thieves of Joy. Yeah, it's you know, it just is just a really ugly scenario. I mean, I know there was uh pictures of some of the more recent games uh, at the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, with a 2,500, in air quotes, uh, paid attendance. Um, and in reality, there was probably closer to 300 people in the stands. Um, so, yeah, it, it's gotten ugly really, really quickly in terms of, you know, if you're not going to, in essence, support the fan base, then the fan base is not going to support you. So put yourself, put yourself in that situation, though. Do you try to experience the last bit of Major League Baseball in a team you have loved? Or do you stay away because you, you know, the team has already severed its ties with us, so we need to sever our ties with the team. 
Uh, I honestly think I'd probably would stay away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I think it just would be too hurtful. I mean, I would go back like a, a few times, but I don't think I could commit the time at that point. I'd be like, I would just be, it would be like, you know, seeing an ex-girlfriend, um, you know, over and over and over again. So no, I don't think I could, I could do it. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I just don't think I could. No, I, I don't think that's a crazy response. And, and again, like I don't give a rat's patoot about the A's or, or again, that like that fan base, I don't have any special connection to, but I, that just breaks my heart yeah. as a baseball fan. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not as if the athletics haven't moved several times in their, in their existence. Are they, are they the, the team that has had the most host cities at this point? I mean, it's Philadelphia. They were in Kansas City. Oakland? I would think so. Yeah, I think that sounds right to me off the top of my head. Uh, what, we are well prepared as always. But yeah, I, I, I think that I will have a very... Do you think they'll keep the athletics moniker? No. I mean, they've kept it everywhere else. No, I don't think they're going to. Do you think that's just about marketing? Yes. Man, it'll be really interesting because... I mean, there's no secret that baseball wants to expand. Of course. Do, do you think that Oakland could be an expansion opportunity for baseball? No. You think that they would just, wow. I think it's done. And and think it's the standpoint of, again, this comes back to, you know, the heart of this matter, which is um, the ownership has basically asked the city to basically build a stadium. The city obviously is saying, you make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and your 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 team is worth X amount. You know, you're going to build a stadium and there's a disagreement. So you think that a city that's willing to be held hostage by a major league team will so be that, no, no question about it. There's no question in my mind. That that again, heartbreaking. Montreal says hi. Man. Man. So yeah, I mean I think it's going to be a matter where Now does that become Giants territory? Yes. Man, they are making out like bandits. Yeah, so I mean it's actually interesting because you know, you you've got, you know, in essence the athletics moving and you would think that like the Dodgers for example would have a major stink about this and yeah. be like we don't want that whole area going to the Giants. Like that is going to basically make them a huge market team of like you're getting Oakland and San Francisco area like it's a major populace. Um, San Jose. I mean, right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's everywhere. Like, that's a major populace. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's just, it's, it's just bad vibes and everything like that. Um, um, and again, just a really good rec- re- recognition too, of like a really good time for the girls to go and sign a lease agreement as soon as possible this season. <sighs> I'm, I'm having heart palpitations. <laughs> uh, well, uh, anything else that you want to talk about around the bases? No, I I feel like we have slid in, gotten ourselves dirty, and and, and we've come home. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and uh, you know mosey on over into Fantasy Boss. Hopefully, um, the, the individuals took care of Fantasy Boss for me while I was gone. Be again. I can't. 
can't be again. This is a bad dream. Scott, what is happening this season in Fantasy Boss? It's almost like I'm performing like the 2023 Orioles at this <sighs> moment. First of all, uh, I told you the Homer Hose was going to stick around. Absolutely stuck around. I, I really, not only did I need you to be right, but I needed you to, I needed to hear you say I told you so. That, that was the thing. I, I told you so. Uh, but I do really. I'm sorry. Can we go back for a second? Yeah. What is still around? The Homer Hose? Stop it. What is around? Uh, the Homer Hose, right? Stop it. What is around? Is it the Dong Bong? It's the Dong <laughs> If we're going to have it, let's do it right. The Dong Bong is still here and you got a point. But I'm really glad uh, last week uh, that Matt Taylor stepped in for me uh, and uh, chose uh, in the category who was going to have more innings pitched. Um, and you had chose Brian Baker, which I think was an excellent choice. Yeah, I thought so, too. I was really excited about that. Uh, but Matt Taylor decided to go with Yanni Arcano, who's been absolutely... I'm sorry, who? Yanni Arcano. Uh, Yanni Arcano. Um, who has been absolutely dominant. Uh, did give up one of his first hits last night. Shame on him. I think that took his uh, whip to, what was it, 0.06 or something like that. But anyway... Um, but yeah, that puts me up four to nothing right now in Fantasy Boss. You are undefeated in Fantasy Boss. This, this is unparalleled, Scott. Yeah. Unparalleled. Yep. Yep. Like I said, I'm I'm sure that I'm going to squander it. Um, because, I, I'm beginning to think I'm not going to win a single week. Uh, we're going to squander this. You know, I'm going to go off. Uh, I'm going to get married. I'm going to go away on my honeymoon, <laughs> and uh, after that, I'm going to not win a game in September, basically. Why do you hurt me so? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, Scotty. Matt Taylor was a fine uh, guest host. Yep. Ryan Blake did a masterful job. Yep. But none of them know how to hurt me as much <laughs> as you do with so few words. Yep. So I get to pick the category because I lost. Yes. And I am going to go very simple. Sure. We're going to see what causes the dong bone. Mm. I'm going straight dongs. Okay. Straight dongs. Scott Magnus. Who do you think is going to have the most dongs this week? Uh, sure. So I am going to go uh, slightly chalk, I think, but we're, we're going to go ahead and try this. Um, I'm going to go with Adley Rutschman as my selection this week. Hmm. I feel like I have to ride the hot hand mm-hmm. because I've been going with my heart. Yep. I'm not going with my heart this week. Yep. I'm going to go Mountie. Mountie. Yep. I feel like Mount Castle has got to do me a solid. Yep. I need a win bad. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to mount the castle of 4-0 and in Fantasy Boss this week. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I hope Mount Castle hits a bunch of home runs this week. That would make me um, tickled pink is you, the best way to describe it. You just want Adley Rutschman to hit one more. That's all. Of course. But I would love to see Mount Castle hit a bunch of home runs. Um, so we'll figure out who wins Fantasy Boss next week. Um, we'll cover that. Uh, and let's go ahead and head on over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started and give Scott the last word in the good and bad, the ugly, as usual. And my good this week goes to Ryan Mountcastle. He's finally getting some results for all that uh, good, good, good things that we've seen all season. I, I really feel like his at bats have been 
really good over the past couple of weeks, and the dam is finally broken. At this point, you know, maybe getting away from Baltimore yep. was was the magic. He had a great week, 172 weighted runs created plus. The thing I'm really excited about, though, 17.2K percentage. Yep. He's having really, really good at bats, and he's making the most of them. Mountcastle, hats off to you. Great week. Yeah. Uh, my good is kind of from this week, but I kind of want to give him a tip of the cap because it's really tough to get this um, as a relief pitcher. But Felix Batista getting reliever of the month for the AL is something that we need to call out. And again, not even probably a great month for Felix Batista in terms of you know performances. He had a few blown saves there. But in reality, like Felix Batista is, you know, still such a dominant performer out there on the mound. Um, yes, the control issues have kind of been popping up more frequently. Um, yes, he hasn't been doing a great job kind of holding runners. But I think we need to recognize how lucky we are to have Felix Batista in that kind of closure spot. Um, and maybe I'll throw an honorable mention to Yannir Cano as well. I think Cano has really helped to establish that. And I've really been enjoying um, seeing Brandon Hyde go between Cano and Batista in order to give each other rest in, we'll call it, high-leverage situations. If if Batista is not at his best and can still do what he's doing, boy, howdy. We've got good things to see from the end of the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. All right, my bad this week is going to go to short starts from Gibson and Bradish. Yep. I mean, we talked about the need for, for depth from the starting rotation. I think that we have have not seen what we need needed to see this week. Again, we started this before before the season started, and I said, I'm a big believer in the starting pitching. I think Cole Urban is going to come back and pitch meaningful innings for this team. I, I do too. I, I really do think that the starting pitcher uh, pitching is better than it's been so far and uh, just wasn't a good week for them. That's all. Yeah. Um, my bet's going to go to Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes started off the beginning of the season red hot. Um, and over the past two weeks, it's kind of cooled off dramatically. He's got a 200 average. Yep, 275 on base percentage. He is kind of nursing a hand injury. Um, we didn't mention that in the, in the medical wing, but again, he's been playing still is the best way to put it. Um, and it's interesting because we talked about that last year in the second half where he's get these injuries and then his production wanes off significantly. So I think it'll be interesting to see, does Hayes snap back in the near future or is this another instance where we're seeing a second half, um, you know, you know, similarity where an injury occurs and he just can't get back into the routine again? Can't wait until he's no longer Michael Jackson. You know that he's still hurting with that hand while the one glove is on. Yep. My ugly for this week is going to go to the doubt. The doubt is there, Scott. As soon as the Orioles started doing well, what did we do? We looked at May. We said, sure, they're doing great in April, but what about May? We talked about the fact that they are doing really well, but they only have the second best record in the American League. The doubt is the thing that sucks right now. We talked earlier in the show about the fact that in 2012, we were just waiting for the other shoe to fall. This team, or this fan base, needs the team to win in a bad way so that we can shake the doubt. The doubt is the thing that's ugly this week. We should be enjoying this way more than we are. And and you pointed out very accurately that the rest of Orioles Twitter got on people that were negative early in wins. I, I'm in that category. Yep. I absolutely am. And the reason that is happening is because of the doubt. And that is earned doubt. 
Yep. It's earned doubt that this team has brought on because I've been paying attention for the last 30 years. Yep. It's ugly that we are so, so, so good. And yet we are hurt <laughs> to the point where we can't enjoy it as much as we should be. We are just waiting for the inevitable fall. The doubt is so ugly. This is such a good segue because my ugly is there is no ugly right now. It is such good baseball right now that are going on with the Orioles. And yes, losses are going to occur. I mean, I'm looking at the score for tonight and the Orioles are down 6 nothing. But again, I look at the whole plethora of not just the week, but the month. And I look at a 30-game sample size and I say, over this 30-game sample size, the Orioles have played amazing baseball. And it's as simple as that. Yes, there are issues. Yes, there are defensive miscues that have occurred. Yes, sometimes the Orioles are almost going to get perfect gamed. But somehow, some way, at the end of the day, the Orioles have managed to come back and say, we're going to just go out and win series. And that's not always going to happen. Again, I, I still think that, you know, I think this this Royal series, honestly, is it's a trap. I think it's a trap series, honestly. Um, and it's going to happen. You're going to lose series eventually again. Uh, the Rays are not going to be an 800 team. The Orioles are not going to be a 600-plus team. The Yankees and Red Sox are probably not going to be a 500 team. Correct. But as this happens right now, enjoy it. I had such a good time, you know, getting caught up on the Orioles games, staying up as late as I could to watch the games, and then I'm putting an Orioles hat on and just walking around Germany. And it's that feeling that you have as as a fan that you feel like you can wake up that next day, put on your gear, walk around town, and just enjoy the aspect of like, well, I don't have to go out in my Orioles gear and have to get stopped and say, boy, they really suck, don't they? And be like, you don't have to have those conversations anymore. Um, and that's a nice thing about it. So just like you said, we can belabor on the small things, but no team is ever going to be perfect. That's what baseball is all about. Again, comes back to the average standpoint. If you hit over over 300, you're considered a really good hitter. Um, so failure is all what about baseball is. Celebrate the good things in life. This may be historic. Yes. Where you took the negative, I took the positive. We, we may have reached unparalleled <laughs> territory. You were ugly was that there was no ugly. Yes. I'm going to do some research. I think this is the first time in Bird's Eye View history, and we've been doing this seg- segment a long time. Yeah. I think this is the first time that's ever happened. I don't remember. I feel like we might have done no ugly before, but it's pretty rare. I don't know. I, I think this might be it. I am I am enthused. Scotty, if you are all smiles. Yeah. I mean, how can we not be all smiles right now? I mean, I understand that there's going to be bad games here and there. But overall, it's it's great baseball. Well, here's the thing. You talk about being able to throw on your gear and not getting a, a negative conversation. Where you were, people just thought you liked the duck. Uh, I actually, it's funny. I kept waiting for someone to stop me and say, oh, um, you know, do you like the duck? And But no. Uh, in fact, I would say um, out of all the baseball gear that I saw, and there wasn't a ton, as supposed to describe it. Uh, mostly Yankees hats, but not classic Yankees hats. I would call them fashion Yankee hats for like red with the New York logo or like a green with the New York logo. I did see one guy with a pirate's gear on, uh, definitely a German native. I wanted to stop him, but he was on a bike. Uh, but I wanted to stop him and be like, pirates, like let's talk. But, uh, a lot of, a lot of Yankees gear. The thing you would have learned is that he was family. That's true. It's true. 
Uh, but I say I was on the Baltic, so you could be like, I'm actually a real life pirate, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave the good, bad, and the not ugly. And when we come back, we'll blow the save. Scotty, we've talked about it all episode, and we've got to spend just a little bit of time talking about your time in Hamburg. Yeah. I'm super excited about your experience. I'm super excited about, about you know the Orioles connection, but let's get real. Yeah. There is the elephant in the room that we've got to talk about. Sure. There is a Beatles connection Absolutely. to the place that you were, and I need you to tell me Everything you now know. Yeah, sure. So uh, for those that don't know, in the uh, early 1960s, 1960 through 1962, actually, um, the Beatles basically made it in Hamburg. So they basically played nightclubs in the Hamburg area. That was their 10,000 hours. That's correct. So uh, in, in essence, that's where, you know, in essence, you go to Hamburg um, and everyone's just like, you know, in this given area, they're like, you can thank us for making the Beatles who they are, is the best way to describe it. Like, we basically allow the Beatles to basically establish who they are, get on the map, and in essence, go out and basically make the music for the world. Um, it's hard to argue with that, honestly, is yeah. the best way to describe it. Um, so one of the things that I did while visiting um, was I spent a Saturday evening going around to some of the old haunts, um, some of the old clubs that the Beatles were at. Um, I wish I wish this was a video for format so that people could see the anguish and jealousy on my face so most of them have basically been you know torn down or have gone out of business Um, but everywhere that you go there are plaques basically in this section of hamburg basically indicating like this is where the beatles were they were here uh you go to one street and they've got cutouts of the beatles basically in metal aspects so you can take pictures of that if you want um but i ended up at the very end of it you know after like listening to stories and listening to like where composing was going on and stuff like that I'm going into one of the clubs and just sitting there. Um, no rock music was being played. Um, you know, there was electro techno kind of dance music going on with a bunch of 20 year olds. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm glad I'm here to kind of just soak up the ambiance and realize that, you know, the music hasn't died as the best way to describe it. Um, but, you know, after, you know, two and a half hours, just kind of wandering a little bit around Hamburg, just looking at Beatles, you know, sights and sounds is the best way to describe it. Um, I decided to head on back home um, on the train to, you know, a a local town that I was basically residing in. But really fun experience. Um, You know, overall, just a really great aspect to kind of get a historical standpoint. I mean, for folks that have never been to Europe and especially kind of, you know, northern Germany, um, being able to go around and see, you know, portions of towns that are, you know, built from, you know, in the 1200s or 1300s um, is just a really amazing aspect. It kind of puts in perspective historically um, you know, how old Fenway Park truly is, is the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, it's a really, you know, I had a really great experience. Um, drank a lot of good beer, drank a lot of good uh, gin and tonics, um, had some really great food. Um, and like I said, just had a really good time, um, experienced the sights and sounds. Uh, definitely felt like a tourist, um, a lot of heavy German speaking, um, but managed to kind of survive and uh, still experience the culture as best I could. And, of course, you basked in the rich baseball tradition that northern Germany has. Absolutely. Um, Amazing baseball tradition. Well, as you know, Germany is just knocking on the door at the World Baseball Classic. Absolutely. And what I mean by that is they're looking uh, favorably at certain lands in the Czech Republic 
as they are correct uh representing the world baseball yeah Classic. i mean not much um aspect i never got stopped by someone i was wearing an orioles cap all the time never no one's ever said hey that's an orioles cap um so it is what it is um but like i said i had a really good time um and like we talked about before watching um major league baseball six hours ahead is an interesting standpoint so i mentioned before kudos to all the folks that can actually do that um I struggled with it, is the best way to describe it. Um, but overall, it was a really great trip. Now, did you watch the Orioles on the all-new Masson app? Absolutely not. I watched it on MLB.tv. Because I don't have blackouts. Because you weren't blacked out. I was blacked out. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Scotty, it is so good. So good to have you back. Again, many, many thanks to Matt Taylor and Ryan Blake. They were They, they were, were exceptional, they honestly. They were great like, guest those, hosts. Those are great, great guest hosts. And like I said... They filled in um, seamlessly um, and made you uh, sound somewhat intellectual, um, which not, I'm still struggling with after these many years. Certainly not the case, but it is incredible, incredible to have you back. And I will simply say this, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Bird's Eye View Baltimore. Dot com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. It encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. If you would like to send an email entirely in German, you can send it you to Scott yep. at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. I, I will use Google Translate um, on that basis. And, and chat GPT. Uh, you can find us on social media. We're all over the place. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat, the ticks and the talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at Bird's Eye View. And let me just say this. I would love to know what people would like to get from us on TikTok while it's still legal. Let us know what, what should we be doing with our TikToks. Because um, otherwise, it's going to be nothing but Scott dancing in a very German way. It's true. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Uh, be safe out there, and let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.